When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Glamorous Trash. On this podcast, we recap and discuss celebrity memoirs, and we turn pop culture garbage into treasure. Today's episode is a Glamorous Trash Talk episode. It is another in our series that I am calling Book Talk, where I talk to an author about their book and ask them five questions I would love to be asked and five questions I would hate to be asked, and we see what happens. And today's guest is a New York Times bestselling author, actor, and screenwriter. He created and hosts the hit podcast, Everything Iconic. He's performed sold-out live shows across the country. He's done stand-up. I know him from Chicago. His first solo book project titled, How Do I Unremember This? Unfortunately, True Stories became an instant New York Times bestseller. It was also, I mean, possibly bigger than New York Times bestseller. It was the first men's more to ever be on this podcast. Oh, I was so honored. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. His second book, The Jolliest Bunch, came out in October 2023. It's what we're talking about today. Please welcome Danny Pellegrino. Hi, Chelsea. I'm so happy to be here and talk to you and I just see your face. So thank you for having me. I'm so in awe of the fact that you wrote two books back to back and I like I can't wait to get into it. And actually, first, just tell everyone the pitch of the book, the log line, the hot sell. Yes. Well, I am very excited to read your book. I have it pre-ordered. I'm super excited. I know it's coming soon. Okay, Danny, that means a lot because you know I'm going to send you one, but those pre-orders, they matter. Okay, Chelsea, let me just tell your listeners because they might not realize this, but pre-orders are so important. So if you listen to Chelsea's podcast, you want to support Chelsea. She's giving you all the stuff, free content, free podcasting. So support her by getting the book because it lets the other retailers know like, oh, we should carry this book. It lets the publisher know we should put more marketing support behind this book. So if anyone out there is kind of on the fence or thinking, oh, we'll just wait to order Chelsea's book when it comes out, please just put the pre-order in. And then, okay, here's a secret I probably shouldn't be sharing on a microphone. Yeah, no, please. I need but this. also, it's pretty easy to cancel a pre-order, right? right? Like, if you decide you want to order in person or you see you at an event or something, then you can just always cancel that pre-order and then get it again or get a second copy for a friend or something. Danny, thank you. Right? Because if the publisher <laughs> doesn't see that there's a, a support behind the book, then they might not put as much marketing dollars behind it. Yeah, yeah. Or it might be harder to get into other stores or other websites or stuff like that. I loved your pre-order post because I know how it feels. And you were like, pre-order the goddamn book. But you would always uh, put these like cute and fun posts up and jokes. And, and obviously it worked. It's hard though, Chelsea. It's hard. It's so hard. Okay, so The Jolliest Bunch is my uh, second essay collection. It's all uh, centered around the holiday season. So there's each chapter is its own little tale about a chaotic, embarrassing, humiliating, uh, or really just funny uh, holiday story. So there's a chapter is mostly about Christmas time, but there's a chapter about Thanksgiving. There's a Halloween chapter. It's mostly end of the year holidays. But uh, I was writing my last book, How Do I Unremember This? And there were so many uh, stories that centered around the holidays. And so the dream or the hope was that it did well enough, that last book, that they would let me do this this holiday collection. Because I love David Sedaris' Holidays on Ice or those kind of collections where you could pick up yearly. Uh, I do that with movies too. Of course, I rewatch the same sort of holiday movies every December or October. <laughs> Sometimes I'm watching them early in the year. Yeah, so I wanted the book to feel like that. And so hopefully, uh, the the best way to describe it, I think, is the first book is sort of like 
National Lampoon's Vacation. Uh, if anyone's seen that movie with Clark Griswold. And then this book is like Christmas Vacation. So tonally, that's the vibe. Does that I make love sense? It. Was that a yes. good sell? That okay. was a great sell. And you quoted um, that movie at the beginning of this book. So I love that. Okay, we're going to talk about the book, but I just have to ask you. So I, I was listening to your podcast and I saw you had a Christmas movie episode and I didn't make it to it because I was listening to obviously the Salt Lake City one first. Do you like The Family Stone as a Christmas movie? I do. Yes. And okay. It's insane. It's- I'm aware that it's insane. No, I love it. And I was at a holiday party where someone was like, oh, well, lots of people hate that movie. And I was like, wait, what? I guess it's like a very controversial movie. So I had to know your Christmas thoughts. I'm so glad you brought this up, actually, because just this morning I was thinking about it. I saw people online were were upset because in that movie they sort of swap siblings, like the couple swap. And so at the end, one couple decides that the guy ends up dating the sister. And so it is, that is outlandish and crazy, but also it's a movie. And I sometimes feel like nowadays we're getting away from the fact that these are movies and movies are supposed to be about those moments in life that are surreal and weird and heightened and all of those things. Yeah. It's like we're all taking everything too literally now. I know. And it's a Christmas movie, too, on top of that. That means it has to, like, be extra heightened. And that's one of the more grounded ones. (laughs) The Family Stone is a more grounded movie compared to, like, even Love Actually. It's like, you think any of those things happened? (laughs) And I, Chelsea, love the trope of a matriarch or patriarch passing around the holidays. Like, it's manipulative. It's uh, all of those things. But I think it works so well. I miss the 80s movies where it's like Steel Magnolias or Terms of Endearment, those weepy family movies. And at Christmas time, we still sort of get some of those. We don't get a lot of them outside of the holiday season, but I like that trope. I think it kind of, as an audience, we watch it and then it reminds us to take stock of our own people in our lives and appreciate them. And so, I don't know, I I always love that trope when it happens in any movie and it does that in The Family Stone so beautifully. I'm the same way. I'm the exact same way. Okay. Now let's get into the questions. First question is having just written a book myself, I truly cannot believe you wrote a book, published it and immediately started writing another book. To me, you are Britney Spears having two pregnancies back to back. And right now (laughs) you're in the moment where Kevin Federline has like locked you out of the recording studio and you have two babies. Like, how did you do it? What was it like? Do you feel sick? Do you feel fine? Yeah, I'm exhausted. And I don't know. I'm happy you said that because I don't know if people really got how quick that is to do in the publishing world because everything in publishing is so far in advance or whatever. But even before the last book came out, I was trying to get the publisher on board with this book. So it was sort of already in the works and it it stemmed from me writing that first book and having these stories that I thought, I don't want all of these holiday stories to be in that book with other stories. And so it was always sort of the dream. I just kind of kept writing everything uh, and then hoping that I was saving these chapters for this book. And, and luckily it, it happened. But um, it, I just sort of kept writing on through it. And then there was a moment where after the first book came out, because the publishing lead times are so far in advance, they said, well, if you, you have to turn it in at this date if you want it to come out holiday of 2023, like right now. Yeah. And if if I would have been like even just a couple weeks later, because everything was so tightly scheduled, then it wouldn't have come out until holiday of next year. And so I really had to like bust my ass to to get everything in on time and uh, and to make sure it came out this holiday season. But I didn't want to have to wait a whole extra year. And because it's yeah. holiday, it wouldn't have made sense to come out in the spring. So No, I was thinking about that with you because book publishing schedules, I... 
I wish we could send a scientist in to explain it to me because I, I cannot comprehend. But yeah, I was in a moment where I didn't like some covers and I wanted to choose another cover. And they were like, if you take any more time, your book gets pushed like another six months. I was like, how is that possible? And you having a holiday date, like no movement. No, I'm really impressed. Okay. Second question. I dare you to give a note to Mariah Carey, our Christmas queen, as you, the Christmas prince, what could she be doing better? Okay, I do have a note actually for her and I love her dearly. I just saw her holiday uh, spectacular show in Los Angeles and my complaint is that she needs to start embracing the song off her first album called Miss You Most at Christmas Time. It's a mm. beautiful, stunning ballad. I would put it up there to me with the Judy Garland, uh, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Like not, oh. maybe not as high, but it's like right up there for me. Yeah, yeah. In, in the melon Kali sadness of it and yes. she doesn't embrace it as much as I would like I just saw the Christmas show and she didn't play that song she she's doing it in some of the dates I saw on social media one of the dates she did it but I love all I want for Christmas is you but I would just like that to get it to do because it's an original song it's beautiful very sad but but stunning that's my note that is actually that's a phenomenal note and my note to her is you already are not dancing or moving. Lean into the bit. Lean it like just be carried across the stage. Never let your feet touch the floor. We're right now. We're a little yes. bit in between. Like, yes. am I gonna do a step to step? You know, and it's like we're not. So I need you to go harder in the other direction. I want maybe like a wheelchair sled. Um, I do have one other note about Mariah Carey, and that is uh, she is listed as a co-writer on the song "Where Are You Christmas" from The Grinch, the Jim Carrey version. Oh my god! Yeah, but we've never gotten. Apparently, she recorded it, and there was some trouble with her ex-husband Tommy Mottola. <gasps> Tommy Mottola, he's behind stealing the Christmas song for us. He's the Grinch of that song. Totally. And she has said that she has the master somewhere. And so I need her to like dig in and find that master. She was on Watch What Happens Live once. And I wrote in a question about like, what can you release it or what's going on with your version of Where Are You Christmas? And she said something like she needs to find the master and, and figure it out to release it. And I love that song, too. So I, I would like her to just find the master for us. Now that I know that it exists, Danny, it's all I'm going to think about. So thank you. OK, next question. Besides your editor or anyone in the book process, who was the very first person you gave the manuscript to? My best friend. She lives in Chicago now, but we lived together at different points in our life. There's one chapter in the book about her and our relationship and when we met and, and not the dissolution of our friendship, but the changing dynamics of our friendship as we got older and she got married and had kids. And it's a very emotional chapter and uh, one of the few sort of dramatic chapters in the book. And so she was the first person I sent it to. And it was so beautiful because then we kind of got to talk about it. Some of the things were things that I had not shared with her before uh, or feelings that I had that I hadn't exactly shared with her. So I sent her the manuscript. I think she was the very first person and she was super supportive of it. And, and it feels like it was helpful in our relationship because we didn't have anything happen in our friendship. It's just as you get older and your lives start to change and you move places or families start to grow, it just felt like that best friendship that we had. We are so close. And so that changing dynamic was hard for me. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we're, we're good. And so we're good now. And I, I've gotten to see her more and I felt like it really kind of helped heal our relationship or at least make us both understand how much we care for each other. I am so moved by that answer. And I, I totally see how that happened and how when you write about something like that from a good or positive place or even not positive, but like a really thoughtful place, it's like 
therapy on steroids, you know, like you're really distilling your feelings that you need someone to know. Right. Wow. Right. And it was, it was sort of a more vulnerable chapter too, because it's, it's almost in poetry form. And so it's not like the rest of the book. And so it, it already felt so vulnerable. And so I really wanted her to like it and also just to let her know kind of how I, f- I feel about her and how much I, I care about our relationship. I love that. Okay. Next question. What did you get Matt for Christmas and what do you hope that he got you knowing this episode will come out before Christmas and it could ruin everything should he listen? Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't know if I've gotten him anything yet because I've been traveling and uh, so yeah. I, that might be a bad answer. No, it's, it's, we want the real. I don't think I, I, mean, I got him a pair of sweatpants. That's it. Which I, obviously I'll be getting him other things. So I got him that. And what was the other part of the question? And what do you hope that he got you? Like, what do you hope to open up? I, okay. I'm really into peppermint bark, and this is, sounds so stupid, but I told him I really want to try different peppermint barks. Like, I, I just want... <laughs> <laughs> and you dropped like, that hint, so we're hoping he picked it yeah. up. Like, yeah. it's pretty simple. I just want to try peppermint bark from various places. Like, it could like be a little a bar or something. I want a buffet of peppermint bark, just a few different ones to try. That is such a good gift that you're going to inspire me to get other people gifts because it's a really thoughtful one, but like low lift, but it's like so much love goes into just like, I bought all the peppermint barks. Oh, Matt, I hope you're listening. Wow. Yeah. And I, you don't just, I don't just want one. I want, yeah, the buffet of them because yeah. I want to yeah. almost do my own little taste test. And and yes, it might be wasteful. There might be some that I don't care for, but like that's my goal is to come out of that day knowing which one I like the best. That is really sweet. And actually, there's some treats that my husband likes. I'm thinking I'm going to do this with Rice Krispies for him. So thank oh you God, for the gift it. idea. Okay. If you could change one thing about the publishing industry, what would it be? Because I know you had a lot of experience getting the book up off the ground and now you've written yeah. two books. Like as an expert, if you could be like, hey guys, what would you say? My second book was so much easier because the publisher sort of trusted me with the process more. Even when it came to the title, I didn't have to fight as hard for the title or the cover or the content in the book because I think without being proven, a lot of times the powers that be, they don't let the artist just do the art that they want to do. And so everything gets workshopped to death. And so I think just like trust the artist to do the thing that they know they do best. And that's hard. I mean, even when I was selling the first book, I, I might've told you this last time we talked, but it was like, everybody wanted me to do a housewives book, all the publishers I went to. And it wasn't what I wanted to do. And I thought I knew there was a market for it, but no one believed me. And even when you have a podcast or a platform or something, you can show the gatekeepers and the powers that be the numbers, but it's still an uphill battle and they still don't believe you. Or if you're not tied to sort of a bigger corporation or something, then they just discount you or don't believe you. And so I wish they would just trust the artist more. And I know yeah. that's hard because they're the ones putting the money into it, but yeah, it's like, just trust me. And and with this book, it was so, it was so creatively fulfilling. I was just talking to my partner about that the other day, because that's what I took away most from the Jolliest Bunch was that I got to do exactly the book I wanted to title, cover content. I mean, I got notes from the editor that were helpful and great, but it wasn't like, take this out. There's a chapter in there that's fully fictional that I wrote about Mrs. Claus taking the sleigh and going to Las Vegas with her girlfriend and gay friend, and they get into a lot of mischief and do drugs and stuff. And creatively to get to do that in the middle of this book with real stories about my life was so fulfilling and great. I love that. Also exact same note to the television and film industry. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's a lot. Are you finding that with your book? Are you are they letting you go or how are they being? 
Yeah. You know, the title and the cover were a thousand times harder (laughs) than the writing process. And I wrote some of the worst trauma of my life. (laughs) So like the writing process was actually really beautiful. And I attribute that to my editor. But yeah, when it came to like a cover and a title, it was just so hard to come to the middle to agree on something. It's interesting too, though, because in television and you know this, like they give so many notes and they sometimes destroy everything about what you've brought them. So I think in publishing the fact that it is my words is like, it felt so much better, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the title, for some reason, all of these places, they look at the genre of the book and then they look at what's selling well. Or yeah. That was my experience. And I remember them coming to me with at my first book of different titles that, that tested well or that were sort of like other things on the market. And they were so stupid. Like one of them, I'll never forget, one of the suggested titles was like, it's okay, you can laugh or something like that. It was like a <laughs> phrase. Yes. And I was like, I, I hate it. I was like, absolutely not. I can't. But they look at numbers and testing and all of those things. And yeah. Completely. The covers, it's like, oh, yeah. Every comedian has one where they're just sort of, it's a close up or something. It's like, I don't want that. My first one was me on a stool and I I sort of hate the cover, but it was the best I could do. <laughs> Completely. It's so funny you say that. Yeah, because I remember some titles, I would like read them to my husband and I would like hold a banana in the kitchen and be like, hello, I'm talking. Like, I don't even know why that I was, it was my Kathy Griffin voice. It doesn't even sound like her, but it's just like, that can't be the title. I remember writing an email where I was like, I don't want to be like other people. Like originality is really important yeah. to me. I don't want a title like other titles. And they were like, okay, we have an issue here. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right now and we'll be right back. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother. But that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondry's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Balasai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. I started this podcast because I have been obsessed with memoirs my entire life. And I can't believe it, but I got to write my own. And it comes out on June 4th, and you can order it right now. The book, you know, I was asked to describe it, and I said, it is an absolutely harrowing, traumatic memoir, but funny. So if that sounds good to you, order it. Let me give you some topics that are in this memoir. A female best friendship breakup. How I got my break into Hollywood. When I found out my dad was not my real dad. The time I dated a magician. Are those last two related? Who's to say? Read the book. Growing up in Utah. Growing up around cults. How I got into therapy. Listen, I could keep going. Each chapter title is a different woman's name in my life. Some are heroes. Some are motherfucking villains, but you know what? A villain and a hero, what are both of those things? A leading role, and we do love women in our leading roles. So pre-order the book, it matters a lot. I linked everywhere that you can buy it in the show notes, but you know, go anywhere. Also, 
I am reading the audiobook personally. So I'm personally narrating it. So if you like this podcast, get my longest podcast ever. And the audiobook is also available for pre-sale everywhere you get audiobooks. And thank you so much for listening to this podcast. You are the reason I got to write a memoir. So thank you so, so much. Okay, let's dive back into the episode. Okay. Would you rather join Mary Cosby's church or be saved by Elder Barlow? I would... Lisa Barlow's son. <laughs> of course, yes. I would go to Mary's church. I, I'm already fascinated by Mary's church. I would like to go there just to see. Just to yeah. see. Even if it means you have to give all of your book money to her. So be it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, listen, I would rather that than have Elder Barlow knock on my door and save me. Uh, right, right. <laughs> I, I would just love... I mean, I, I would probably pay money to go sit. And at some point I will. I'm sure I'll, I'll spend the money need to travel to Salt Lake to go to Mary's church. I'm sure. <laughs> I love that for you. Okay. Have you ever gone on Goodreads and read your book reviews? Yes, I have. And it's, I don't recommend it. Uh, <laughs> and I try not to read any reviews. The only, the one time I did, I was feeling really down. This is actually a, an unhealthy admission that I shouldn't share on a podcast, but I was feeling really down and I did have my significant other go on Goodreads and you can f- filter the reviews so you just see the mm. top ones so yeah. he, I, I was like Matt can you just like read me some good ones so he went on and like somehow filtered them and then read me a couple good ones so that was nice oh I actually love that that doesn't I thought you were gonna say I went to the zero stars and read them all night long <laughs> like, no, no 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 I'm scared of that I'm so scared too um and I thank you for admitting that because I need to know from fellow authors yeah if you have to, Chelsea, if you feel like you need to read the reviews, you filter them. And I think you can even filter them on Amazon. Like, just look at five, four, I wouldn't even say four stars. I would just say, just look at five stars. Because everyone's going to have a different opinion, and people mostly just yeah. write a review if they hate it. I'm sick. I'm unhealthy. I've already been talking to my therapist that I, I know I won't do what you're saying. I know. I'll be like, I'll go, I'll try and hurt myself with the internet. And I'm literally, I told, I told her, I was like, we have six months to get me to not do this. <laughs> and I hope she succeeds. Hope she's a good therapist, Danny, because I'm I'm not good with stuff like that and it'll ruin me. Well, Chelsea, just remember that people will get their thoughts to you without you looking for them. So even those bad reviews, people will find a way to get it to you without it being <laughs> like that. Like what I've noticed is that people will send you the DM or they'll get your email. Like there's times I'll get something from in some capacity. I'm like, I didn't even know any, how did this person even get my email or how did they like go to the website or find a contact form somewhere just to let you know, to let you know. So they will find a way. Uh, And then the other thing that's important to know is that usually in the writing process, you really love the book and then you're editing it a million times. And if you're doing the audio book, so by the time it actually finally comes out, you, you already are second guessing the work, right? You're already thinking maybe this isn't as good. I should have done that better. Maybe whatever. And so when the release date comes, you're already kind of in that gutter. And then what I've found is that it does take people a little while to actually read the book. So that first kind of like... (laughs) That first kind of week or two is shaky because no one's really given you much feedback and you're thinking, God, maybe it is terrible. All those negative thoughts are coming to the forefront again. And then a couple of weeks go by and people have finally gotten into it and you start to hear the good stuff. And then you're like, oh yeah, I was right. <laughs> this is so helpful to hear because yeah, right now I just got my first galleys and I gave a copy to my friend Layton who was like, give me the book, give me the book. But I haven't heard from her in four days and I'm like, just she hates it. And I had to remember, oh, it's a book. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, people don't just consume. Maybe it she right hasn't away. even started. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that was really helpful. The galleys really stress me out because for people who don't know, they print the book, but it's not the final book. So there's edits and stuff that need to be made to that. There's typos. Oh yeah. And I stress about that, like for both books, because you don't sort of realize that it's going to print in that way. And that's the one that's going out to reviewers or to friends. And you want to say to everybody like, oh, that's not the final. There are things. And it's hard to explain like that certain typos didn't get picked up because they might have been late additions or they might have been, there's a million reasons for it. Yeah. And you want to explain that, but you can't really. I know. And so I hate the galley process. Me too. There's a word in my book where it says, I started in the mirror when it's supposed to say stared. And I probably think about it every day. Um, Okay. (laughs) It will get fixed. Danny, if you could only write books for the rest of your life or only do your podcast for the rest of your life, which one do you choose? Oh my God. That's a tough call. I would honestly maybe say books. I feel most comfortable when I'm behind my computer writing. As much as I love performing and and doing my podcast, I like being able to craft the thing. Like I like the mechanics and crafting a joke or crafting a story or sitting behind a computer and and being in my pajamas and all that. I guess I could do that with podcasting. But yeah, I'd say that's where I'm like happiest is when I'm writing. I love that answer. It's such a cozy answer too. It's like makes you want to be by a fireplace and and read your book. Okay. I loved that you included a story in the book that you didn't feel strong enough to share in the first book. Um, And it's about disordered eating, which I heavily relate to. And you also said something lovely where you're like, I'm not even sure I'm ready now, but you were because you did. Was there something you remember between the moment you didn't put it in the first book and the moment you put it in this one that helped you get there? Yeah. In the first book, there's a dramatic chapter. Again, all of these books are meant to be really funny, but there's some dramatic moments throughout. And the first book had a dramatic chapter about about my anxiety and depression. And I opened up my mental health in that way. And I just heard from so many people. So that was encouraging going into this one to be like, okay, I think it's okay to include because it ultimately made me feel better. And since this book has come out, I've heard from a lot of people. But even after the galley, I ended up moving that chapter because I was mm. I was scared about doing press for the book. Yeah. And I knew that like a lot of times when you do interviews, people will only read maybe the first or second chapter. So I even like moved it farther back. Wow. But I moved it back because I thought then I would have to talk about it less. And so I was even so scared up until that point. Now I'm much better. And and since it's come out, I've heard from so many people who related and that's made me feel good about including it. But so it's like even up to that last minute, I was thinking, oh gosh, I, I don't, I'm scared to talk about this or I don't want to say the wrong things or or I feel too vulnerable about it, but I'm happy I included it. I'm so happy you included it. I don't want to say it's my favorite because it's so the whole book is so good, but it, it actually was my favorite part, I think, because holidays also bring about some dark emotions, even when you're having the best holiday. And I think that was like an acknowledgement of something that is just so was so real for me. And and like I just I just loved getting there and and having that be a part of your book. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people around the holidays who were all faced with lots of food and treats and stuff. And for someone who's who's dealt with disorder eating that can be a real mind fuck around yeah, this time yeah yeah well uh, thank you so much for including it hey, chelsea i'm so glad i mean honestly i, I feel really honored that you read the book because oh, yeah. again every interview i've done i almost no one has asked me about that chapter and it is kind of the heaviest part of the book and no one's asked me because i think most people just read that first couple chapter or maybe people are afraid to bring it up but i appreciate it. i well of course i read the book obviously i loved it and i also think it's hard for people to talk about hard stuff it like 
if it affects them, they're like, oh, I don't want to divulge myself. And then sometimes when people are scared by your dark issues, speaking as someone who sometimes scares people with my dark issues, people really freeze up. But I bet everyone was really moved by it. I bet they did read it, Danny, and they they just want to like be loving towards you and, you know, maybe don't know what to say because it's really hard to talk about, which is why it's so important that you included it in a funny, lovely book. Yeah. Well, I also think men in general don't talk about it. And a lot of in particular, men in the gay community, I think, deal with it. And that's what I've been hearing the most from. Yeah. Which is surprising to me. There's been so many gay men who have reached out to me and said, same. I had a similar experience and I've never heard gay men really talking about it. So to get messages like that is is so moving because I think there's a lot of gay men. I don't want to just say gay men. I just think it's no one talks about it. You're completely correct. And it's like all stemming from the same reason. Like it all goes back to the same force that makes us even think it's only a women's issue is also the force that's ruining men's lives, making you think, well, I should keep this inside because it's, you know, a woman's issue. And like, oh, the cycle gets dark. Um, No, it's it's so yeah. beautiful. And I loved it. And I love high and low, hence the name Glamorous Trash. So I loved, you know, funny, lovely, cozy, and then yes. like dark, real heart. Well, I kept thinking of those Christmas movies that I watched, like the Home Alones or whatever. And those movies always slip in yeah. the darker, heavier stuff. If you watch Home Alone, there's that beautiful moment at the end when the mom is reunited with son. And it's it's like a dramatic, heavy moment. And, and I like that that slipped into something where these burglars are cartoonishly slipping on marbles, chasing this little boy. It's yeah. Like, yeah. You get that hefty dramatic moment. So just throughout the book, I wanted to have all those elements of the holidays. I 90% really funny. And then 10% those other things that come along with the I holidays. I love that. I love that. Okay. This is my final question. What advice do you have for me getting ready to come out with my book or really anyone who is thinking to themselves, like I'm ready to share my story, whether it's going to be on social media or they're just going to show up to Christmas and be like, guess what's up family. Like For anyone putting themselves out there and scared about it, what advice do you have? You have to trust your gut and trust your own storytelling. Trust the unique things, the parts of you that make you you. I think I was scared because I'm not the best technical writer. I think I'm more of a storyteller and creative uh, writer. And I remember worrying about that so much. Am I crafting this sentence perfectly or using that word right way or whatever. And so I think like letting go of that. And the most important thing is going to be your voice. So telling the stories the way that you tell them and and not trying to do a book or a social media post or whatever level of writing you're doing. Don't try to just do somebody else's version of it. Do what is important to you. And then another piece of advice, if you are writing a book, and I don't know if you've done your audio book. Are you doing an audio book? I'm going to uh, in January. I record. Okay. So the technical advice for that is to do the audiobook before the final version of the book goes to print. Yes, so that you can catch words in there that you don't like. There's always going to be a a little change you'll want to make. And sometimes the book already goes to print by the time you're actually getting in the recording booth. But I think it's really helpful to be able to read it aloud in the recording booth because you're you're going to inevitably catch at least a couple things or, or changes you want to make. That was really great heartfelt advice and practical advice. My favorite combo. Yeah. Tell your publisher, just say, I want to make sure the book doesn't go to print until after that last day of recording. Please push it back. You're going to find something. Chelsea. No, I know you're right. I know you're right because I read a piece of it at a live show and I was like, 
as I was reading it out loud, I was like, remember to cross that off. Remember to switch this out. Like, yeah. And it's been through like 10 versions. Oh my God. Okay, Danny, there's so many great places to buy your book from bookshop.org, which will always support independent booksellers. You can go on Amazon. You can go on Barnes and Noble. You can go to your library. But what is your favorite place or your favorite way for someone to experience your book? Oh gosh. I think going into a bookstore, I worked at a bookstore when I was uh, in high school and college. I worked at a Borders, which is no longer around, but I love a bookstore. So I think figuring out the bookstore in your neighborhood, there's still a lot that are around, but I love shopping and and my book might not be at the bookstore you go to, but I think it's great to go into those little shops or even just a Barnes and Noble or something. But I like I like physically holding a book and going shopping at a bookstore. Here's what you do, everyone. You call your favorite bookstore. They've there's like LA has the cutest ones where it's like, there's one that has a wine bar. There's one that has like a whole, like, it's not like a plant store, but like plants are everywhere. So bookshops have the cutest little things. Find the one that you want to have a cozy afternoon at. Call ahead. Say, will you order Danny Pellegrino's book there for me? Go meet your book and then walk around and have like a cozy little Christmas afternoon to yourself. The best, the best. I just got the cozy shivers. <laughs> I could wander around a bookstore for the entire day. And I do. I, you know, I used to live in borders, uh, just sitting in the aisles. I was the person that you were probably sent to be like, go home now. Um, so I love that. Danny, thank you so much for coming on. Tell, I mean, everyone knows where they can find your podcast and your socials, but just say it just in case. Such a pleasure, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. I'm at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And then, yeah, the Jolly Sponge is available everywhere. And my last book is in paperback. So you can get that too. Get them both. It makes a great double gift. <laughs> okay, congrats to Paperback. That's also a big deal. Uh, Danny, thank you so much. And happy holidays to everyone listening, however you celebrate, wherever you celebrate. And if you don't celebrate, because you know I also yes. support witches. So happy, happy to everyone. <laughs> yeah, happy end of year, truly, just everybody. And wait, Chelsea, one piece of advice for everybody listening. It's a hectic time of year. Just let go of everything you feel like you need to do and just try to find some time within the craziness of the season. Like, do what you want to do. And if that means, like, canceling on a work Christmas party or a family dinner or whatever it is, like don't feel beholden to these traditions. Just try to remember Danny on a podcast telling you, do what the fuck you want to do right now. If that means sitting at home and watching Elf or or turning off the TV and reading a book, whatever, just do it and don't feel guilty about it. I love that. And I'm going to use that advice tonight when I cancel my plans. <laughs> yeah, get some peppermint bark and just sit on the couch and cancel your plans. Danny, that was beautiful. Thank you, Chelsea. Thank you so so much. That's all for this week's episode. If you have something to say, you want to talk back to this episode, or you have a question, or maybe you think you have a difference of opinion, join the book club. The book club is on Patreon. We have a chat, and there are so many cookies in the chat. We talk about the episodes. We talk about book recommendations. We just talk about our lives. We break things down. It's super fun. It's on Patreon. You can join for as little as $1 or $5 a month and then just download the mobile app and you can chat all day long with us. Also, if you join Patreon, all the episodes are ad-free. So we started running ads. If you don't like that, join our Patreon. We send you a podcast feed with ad-free episodes and everyone comes to your phone. You would also get all of the bonus episodes and there are so many great bonus episodes. You get all of that when you join our Patreon. And if you're a super hardcore cookie we have a live book club on zoom once a month it's on sundays it's so fun sometimes we dress up we chat about the episodes no reading is required if you want to read along it's so fun but also most people just listen to the episode and then we chat and hang out and check in and a lot of really deep friendships have formed it's the best 
A big thank you to our podcast producer, Kate Downey, our executive producer, Jordan Moncada, our sound engineer, Marcus Hom, and our amazing assistant, Jaren Padre. I also want to thank our friends over at Pattern Brands. They are our product partner, and they keep me and my guests just rolling in the cutest tiny spoons and candles and so many other cool things and paquetto. I genuinely love our product partners. I love them so much, so go check them out. Everything is linked in the show notes, and if you have questions, go to the Patreon chat lounge, and I'll see you there.